He knows his stuff and sure enough it's shooting the bull with Tom Snow. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Shooting the Bull with Tom Snow. I'm your host, Tom Snow. Alrighty, so today's episode will be about the Mexican-American War, and it is uh, the next episode in America's Forgotten Wars, a little mini-series I'm doing. So the Mexican-American War is by far the most consequential war in our series so far, at least in terms of gains and losses. And let me explain. So with the exception of the Seminole War, the United States had not really gained any land or territory from any of the wars we talked about. The Quasi-War and the Barbary Pirate Wars helped expand the United States Navy, but that was really about it. The War of 1812 had big political consequences and increased American patriotism and nationalism, but on paper, the United States had nothing to really show for it. The U.S. did try to invade Canada in the War of 1812, but that didn't go too well. So again, the United States really had nothing to show for the War of 1812 besides bragging rights. The Seminole War did see the United States taking Florida from the Spanish, even though it was kind of iffy and shady. But we haven't seen the United States really gain any big territory from any of these wars. The Mexican-American War is going to be a, a big game changer in that regard, as we see the United States gain a huge chunk of land from that conflict. So let's look at how the United States expanded over time. I think we all know that the United States started out with 13 original colonies. So I work at the Betsy Ross house, as I probably mentioned a couple of times. The 13 stars on the Betsy Ross flag um, represent 13 original states. Um, at the conclusion of the American Revolution during the Treaty of Paris, the British not only granted the 13 colonies their independence, but they also gave the Americans the rest of their land east of the Mississippi River besides Canada. So the British did not need that territory since the newly independent United States was blocking them from the Atlantic Ocean. So they decided to give it to the Americans to basically sweeten the deal. So in other words, when George Washington became president in 1789, the United States was more than just the 13 colonies. It was all the land east of the Mississippi River. In 1803, about 20, 30 years after the Revolutionary War, President Thomas Jefferson purchased Louisiana Territory from the French. Now, the Louisiana Territory was a lot more than just Louisiana. Imagine drawing a line starting in Louisiana and going northwest until you get to Montana. That was basically the Louisiana Territory, if you can imagine that in your head. And if you can't, just Google a map of the Louisiana Purchase. That will probably be better for everybody. As we saw in the last episode, the United States stole Florida from the Spanish in the Seminole War. So the only parts of the modern continental United States that was not part of the U.S. was Oregon, California, and the Southwest. Oregon was claimed by both the United States and Great Britain and actually included not just Oregon, but also Washington State and Vancouver as well. Um, basically, that will be resolved in the same time as the Mexican-American War. Basically, the British agreed to keep Vancouver and give Oregon and Washington to the United States. California and the Southwest was still part of Mexico, which won its independence from Spain in 1824. Okay, so if you've listened to a few of these podcasts, you probably know that I like to start each episode with a quick little background check of each conflict. 
So the Mexican-American War was fought between 1846 and 1848. The two countries fighting the Mexican-American War were Mexico and the United States, hence the name Mexican-American War. As you can probably tell from the War of 1812 episode, people were not too creative when it came to naming wars back then. The cause was pretty simple. The United States simply wanted more land. Now, let's look at some of the land that the United States wanted. So let's go to a place called Texas. So some of you rem might remember from high school about learning a big battle called the Alamo. In fact, there's even a popular saying called Remember the Alamo. If you do need a quick refresher, Texas used to be part of Mexico, but was settled by mostly Americans. It fought its own war of independence from Mexico in 1836. Actually, in that war, the Texans actually lost the Battle of the Alamo, but defeated the Mexicans a month later at the Battle of San Jacinto. Fun little fact, the Texas general that won the Battle of San Jacinto was named Sam Houston, which is where the city of Houston gets its name. During the Battle of San Jacinto, the Texans also captured the Mexican general Santa Ana, who was also the president of Mexico. In return for his release, Santa Ana agreed to give Texas its independence. So for a little bit, for about nine years, Texas was technically an independent country, but the Mexican government never fully recognized it as a real country. In 1845, the United States annexed Texas, which really pissed off Mexico. Again, Mexico never fully recognized Texas as, an ind as independent from Mexico, even though Santa Ana, the president, signed a peace treaty with Texas. But Mexico was kind of planning on just ignoring that peace treaty and were actually in the process of making plans to reconquer Texas. So Texas all of a sudden becoming part of the United States made reconquering Texas a lot more difficult for Mexico because the United States was a lot more powerful than either Texas or Mexico for that matter. To make matters worse, the Texans and Mexico could not actually agree on what the border of Texas really was. So the Texans insisted that it was the Rio Grande River, which is what it is today. So spoiler, things aren't going to go too well from the Mexicans. Well, the Mexico believed that it was the Nuances River. Now, if you look at a map, the Nuances River is much further north of Mexico than the Rio Grande is. So if, Tex if Mexico had its way, Texas would be much smaller than it is today. So U.S. President James K. Polk sent 3,000 soldiers under General Zachary Taylor, who becomes a president in a few years later, to the Rio Grande as basically a challenge for the Mexican army to assert its claim. A Mexican, a Mexican regiment actually ambushed an American scouting party that quote-unquote accidentally wandered into Mexican territory. As a result of this minor skirmish, President Polk asked Congress to declare war on Mexico, which it gladly did. A lot of historians believe that America kind of poked and goaded Mexico into, into attacking them so they could declare war on Mexico. One of the few politicians that opposed the war was, a Congress, was Congressman Abraham Lincoln of Illinois, who feared that Texas would become another slave state. And he was actually right about that. So the beginning of the war went very, very well for the Americans. 
General Zachary Taylor and his small army easily drove the Mexicans out of southern Texas and invaded northern Mexico. Because his troops were better trained and had better weapons, Taylor was able to win multiple battles against much larger Mexican armies, including one that outnumbered him three to one. Another American army under General Austin Kearney captured what is now New Mexico and Arizona and eventually headed west to invade Southern California. Meanwhile, an American army officer named John C. Fremont raised a rebellion in Northern California. So California was similar to Texas because it was part of Mexico, but inhabited by mostly American settlers. This rebellion was supported by the United States Navy's powerful Pacific Squadron, and together the two, the two forces easily captured most of California in a few months. Kearney and Fremont's armies finally joined together in November of 1846 and captured the important city of Los Angeles giving America complete control of California. So it's 1846, the first year the war is over, and the United States had basically captured California and Mexico and Arizona and basically drove the Mexican army out of Texas. So things are going pretty well for the Americans. So while the beginning of the war went very well for the Americans, the rest of the war also goes very well for the Americans. Uh, General, I'm sorry, President Polk ordered General Winfield Scott, a, a hero from the War of 1812, to raise a large army and invade Mexico itself. So Scott and his army captured the important city of Veracruz, which is a, on, the co on the east coast of Mexico, and marched towards Mexico City. Despite losing several men to ba in battle and even more men to disease, Scott and his men captured the Mexican capital in September of 1847. So yes, the United States of America had actually captured Mexico City. That's something most people don't know. With the loss of Mexico City, the Mexicans decided to sue for peace. Now, many Americans wished to annex all of Mexico, but others disagreed. So John C. Calhoun, a senator from South Carolina and a big defender of slavery, did not want to include Mexico as part of the United States for racial reasons. Now, I'm going to read you a quote that John C. Calhoun said, and it's a little, it's very racist, it's a little offensive, so if you have kids, I probably wouldn't let them hear this. So these are John C. Calhoun's exact words. We have never dreamt of incorporating into our union any but the Caucasian race, the free white race. To incorporate Mexico would be the, the first instance of its kind of incorporating an Indian race, for more than half of the Mexicans are Indians, and the other half is composed chiefly of mixed tribes. I protest against such a union as that. Ours, sir, is the government of a free white race. Yes, so this guy was a racist. He also ignores the fact that this quote-unquote union included several enslaved Africans and indigenous people the government forcibly removed to reservations. The kind of people he would call quote-unquote Indians, even though, as we all know, they were not from India or anywhere near India. Despite owning dozens of enslaved servants himself, Calhoun also made the claim that, and I quote, we are anxious to force free government on all 
and that it is the mission of this country to spread civil and religious liberty over all the world, especially over this continent. What a load of bullshit. Other people, like Abraham Lincoln, insisted that annexing all of Mexico would turn the United States into an empire, which was something the Founding Fathers had long feared. So in the end, the United States and Mexico agreed to the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, in which Mexico was forced to give the United States not only Texas, but also a huge portion of land that included California, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, and parts of Oklahoma and Wyoming. This effectively, effectively gave the United States control of what is now the continental United States, as in all the states except Hawaii and Alaska. And in return, the United States gave Mexico $15 million, not billion, million. In today's currency, that will be $443 million. Again, not billion, million. Now, if you're someone like me, $443 million sounds like a lot of money. But to put that in perspective, uh, the United States Congress in 2021 just passed a $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package. So $443 million is a drop in the bucket for the government. In other words, the Mexicans kind of got a very raw deal. Now, let's, let's look at the big picture. So the Mexican-American War had a huge impact in American history because it added the modern-day Southwest to the United States. So the reason nobody talks about the Mexican-American War nowadays is for two big reasons. First of all, it is kind of overshadowed by the Civil War, which happens 15 years later. In fact, guys like Robert E. Lee, Ulysses S. Grant, and Stonewall Jackson got their first taste of combat in the Mexican-American War. Another reason that people don't like to talk about the Mexican-American War in the United States is because it was fought over greed as opposed to principle, which is not something Americans like to think about when studying their history. In Mexico, on the other hand, the war unsurprisingly brought back, brings back better memories, and some can argue that the tenuous relationship between the two countries can still be felt today. So that basically wraps up this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I look forward to hearing to talking to you again next week when we talk about the Spanish-American War. Thank you, and have a good one. He knows his stuff, and sure enough, it's shooting the ball.